Greetings. Good morning. Life is hard, especially in Sydney. Life is hard for everybody. Life is not meant to be easy just because you're a Christian. Life is hard. But Jesus is with us. Amen? Amen? And you know what? Every day he gives us new grace. And this this morning, uh, this afternoon, let's just pray together because it's him who sends us grace. It's him who sustains us. So let's pray together. Father, we pray This afternoon, we just ask you for grace upon our hearts. For those that are really tired because of the week, we pray that in your word that they will find true rest and true Sabbath. For those that need recharging, I pray that you will just give them new strength, that they shall walk and they shall run and not go faint. And Father, we pray as we share your word that only Christ may be revealed and only Christ may be boasted. And we pray that those who are listening and um, me who is speaking, that we are nothing, God, uh, and you are everything. And we pray that you be exalted in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Jay and Samonim, uh, and thank you, Vicky. And uh, Nathan, and I thank you for every one of you, um, every one of the faces and every one of the stories, every one of you that came and um, just confirmed to me that uh, the body of Christ, that the kingdom of God is not just my church, but I just really am excited, you know, when we all go to heaven, (laughs) Um, someone said that. Uh, I had a student who said to me, oh, someone, oh, teacher, I don't want to go to heaven. I know, why? And then he goes, it's going to be so boring. And I said, why? <laughs> and then he goes, we'll be worshipping forever. <laughs> what kind of God do you serve? What kind of God do you worship? What kind of God do you have faith in? Is this God exciting, gives you joy? Or those people around you look at you and go, I don't want that God. I don't want that faith. Uh, faith. I don't want to go to that church ever. I don't want to go to heaven even because if that's what worship is, oh, my God, I don't want to do it for eternity. But our God is an awesome God, amen? And I pray that... It's not us trying to be contagious, but your love for God, as you focus on God, he will pour into your life, and the Bible says that your cup will overflow. And I pray that if there's one person, two people, three people, it doesn't need to be a majority, if there is that one person that wants to worship God and seek after God's heart, God is going to start overflowing through that life. And I pray that it doesn't stop at Sydney Full Gospel, FLM. It doesn't stop at Greenacre. I pray that it will overflow to the nations. Nobody says amen. Am I in a Catholic church? (laughs) Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, I'm just going to go to the background of our text, and then we're going to read the text together. And then I'm going to have a quick uh, cartoon video of, I'm sorry, I'm a visual learner. 
There's audible learners and kinesthetic learners. I am a visual and a kinesthetic learner, so I need to look and do. If you tell me instructions, it will come in my ear and go the other. That's why I use a lot of visual um, visual presentations. It's not for you, it's actually for me, <laughs> okay? But if it helps you, fine, okay? So you might go, oh, that's a lot of pictures, but it's for me, okay? So. Um, the first, this is the map of Israel that we shared yesterday. Uh, because sin entered into the world, sin entered into humanity, they were separated and they became em enemies to God. But God, because his grace and he is love and he's merciful, he didn't just want to lose us. So, from Genesis, we see a picture of his saving, redemptive plan. And he talks about Messiah. He talks about Jesus Christ. And throughout all the events and throughout these biblical um, uh, stories, we see stories of people. And the Bible is not about, um, not about, extraordinary people. It's about ordinary people that met an extraordinary God. Amen? And it's about a, it's about a people that, you know what, they had flaws, they, some of them were broken, some of them were damaged. Some of them were really elite, some of them were unlearned. But it's a, a story about a loving God who wants to save the lost, who wants to repair the broken relationship between his creation and him. And so throughout history, the, you know, God appears to this uh, grandpa called Abraham. God promises. What does he promise? He promises land, but he also promises people, a nation. And this is not just talking about a specific ethnic people. It's a shadow of the kingdom of God, shadow of what God wants to do, and it is a shadow of his redemptive plan. Amen? Amen? So it's a promise. We talk about covenant. You know, we talk about New Testament, Old Testament. It actually means old covenant, new covenant. And the whole book is about a covenant, covenant of love promise of love. Some of you are married. The promise of love that I will be faithful to you. So throughout the Bible, he uses human relationships. He uses illustrations between a father and a child, a bridegroom and a bride. And he says, I will be your shepherd and you will be my sheep. I will be your God and you will be my people. And he promises land and eventually uh, Abraham's descendants go into this land, Canaan, and conquer this land. But unfortunately, next slide, please. Uh, the clicker doesn't work, so we said that we'll do this, but I'll just go next slide, please. Unfortunately, you know, in God's covenant, although God is faithful, there is a requirement. Just like, um, you know, a human contract, I know the illustration between God's covenant, our, our earthly contract is very, there's a big gap. Okay. But just to illustrate, if you have a contract, what is, what is it? There is a clause, something that you, both parties need to do. 
right? And then there is a signature. In Korea, we have a stamp, okay? But God promises his redemption. God promises himself. God promises his kingdom to his people. And the clause is that you follow me, that you are obedient to me, that you worship me, that you love me. And what is the signature? It's the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know what? Saul was not faithful, but God had mercy. David was faithful, had a son called Solomon. Solomon was enticed by a thousand women, and he let these women bring idols into the nation. The nation, because the leader was corrupted, the nation's heart was stolen. So they started worshipping other gods. And it wasn't, I guess, it wasn't just one God. It became like a pluralist culture where this God is okay, that God is okay. It was almost like a vending machine for, oh, we need the rain, so we're going to pray to the rain gods. All these multitude of gods came in. So it became a, a pluralist, polytheist nation and therefore God used other nations to strike down the nations. However, before, before they became exiles to foreign countries, God split the nations into two. So Jeroboam um, uh, you know, plotted up a coup d'etat. Okay? So he took away ten tribes and Judah remained. Today's background of the story is, I wonder if this is going to work. Oh, yeah. Today's story is about Elijah the prophet and Asa, Ahab, sorry, Ahab and his wife. Oh, suddenly I forgot her name. Jezebel. Yeah, Jezebel. The Bible says that Jezebel was a wicked, evil, godless woman who was in the ear of the king. And Jezebel would entice Ahab, and therefore the whole nation of Israel became defiled with idols. And in the Bible it says that, that, that the altar of the Lord was broken down, so which means that worship and service and sacrifice to the living God had become scarce. The Bible says that there were not many prophets of the Lord in the land. And next slide, please. What happened? They started bowing down to... Next slide, please. Started bow down, bowing down to idols. They started worshipping idols. And often, you know what? When you stop worshipping the living God, we often try to compensate and try to worship other things. Not even try. We just automatically become worshippers of something else. Why? Because God created, created us in his image and we are spiritual beings. If we were the descendants of monkeys, there would be cave paintings of monkeys worshipping. Monkeys would still be worshipping or doing some sort of spiritual thing. We do not see the animal kingdom worshipping or, you know, doing anything spiritual. Why? Because they were not created in the image of God. But we are created in the image of God. And no amount of money, no amount of 
you know, cars in our garage or how many toilets you have. It never satisfies us. Why? Because we are spiritual beings. So these people started with, next slide, please. Um, they started worshipping these idols, Baal and Asherah. And, you know, they would farm and they would harvest. So, obviously, humans have no control over rain or sunshine. So, instead of trusting in the God of creation, the God that created the sun, the God that creates and makes things grow, they had to create something visible, physical. So they started bowing down to these idols, saying, Oh, God of rain, send down the sunshine and the rain so that our crops will grow. They needed to produce babies, so they started bowing down to the goddess of fertility. People who do not worship God starts bowing down to things because we are insecure. And the practice of back then, it wasn't just, you know, nice music, beats. It was, you know, historical account. I mean, some of you have maybe seen, you know, 300. And you see the priestesses and the priests uh, engaging in all sorts of debauchery and orgies and child sacrifice. The work of God is beautiful. The work of God heals. The work of God restores. But the work of the enemy is damaging and it's toxic and it destroys. That's why Jesus said, you know, the enemy comes to steal, destroy and kill. And we see this nation trusting in these gods. Why? First of all, because they can see. You know what? Sometimes I think, you know, God said, do not make idols for yourselves. And I, I've, I think really hard about these things. And I came to the conclusion, if we can contain this awesome, magnificent, great God with something that we can create, surely he cannot be God. And that's why I think that we cannot possibly worship down to anything we have created. And also... If we worship down, you know, when we worship something, we mean that they have greater power than us. They're more superior than us. They're more supreme than us. But we're bowing down to things that we made. We're bowing down to things that are lower than us. How defecating is that? No response. (laughs) So we're going to look at if we, all, if we can all open up to passages, 1 Kings 18. I'm really sorry about my voice. This is not my voice. Um, 1 Kings 18, verse 16 to 40. If we can open up our Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, I've got the video ready. So we're going to read it together. And then afterwards, we're going to, read, uh, we're going to see a cartoon called Superbook. I love it. If you have kids... 
um, show it to the kids. Uh, just a disclaimer, in the video, a robot and two children come out. Um, obviously, they didn't exist in the Bible times, okay? So um, just a disclaimer. So let's read the passage first. Let's go. Today, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, but Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. It is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves, and prepare it first. For you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon. O Baal, hear us! But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked him. Cry about, for he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water butts with water, and pour it on the bird's sacrifice and on the wood. Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. That this people may know that you are the Lord God. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. The Lord he is God. God. The Lord he is God. Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. Elijah brought them down to the brook Kaisha and executed them there. So through this uh, video, we just got a bit of a, a, a visual concept of uh, what happened in this chapter. 
In verse 17, it says, so Elijah approached Ahab because, you know, God had told him to go to Ahab and challenge him on the Mount of Carmel. And Elijah approached him and he says, is that you are troubler of Israel? I read this and I thought, gee, I would like to have that nickname. I would like the devil to say, is that you troubler? But some of you come and the devil doesn't really care because, you know, don't even pray, you know. But some of you approach and the devil's like, is that your troubler? And so Elijah was a troubler of Israel. Why? Because Ahab was godless. He was evil. And Elijah just kept probing him with the word of God, the voice of God, repent, repent, repent. Okay, so Elijah approaches And Elijah says, you know what, I'm not a troubler of Israel, really. You have brought this on yourself. Why? Because at that time, because of Israel's Israel's unfaithfulness, the rain had stopped for three and a half years. Although they were bowing down to Baal and they were like worshipping, none of their worship, none of their sacrifice would move the skies or the heavens. Why? Because only the creator God has power and dominion. And so verse 18, Elijah says, you know what? You have abandoned God. You have forsaken God and you've brought trouble on yourself and the people. And then he says, you bring 400 of your Baal prophets, 450 and 400 of your Asherah prophets. Okay, so how many is that? 850. 850 of your prophets. You bring them on. And I will be there. And let's call upon our gods. And let's see who sends down fire. And whoever sends down fire is the true God. 850 verses 1. If you didn't have trust in the ability of God, you could not have done that challenge. So, thank you. Um, Elijah goes to Ahab and challenges him. So what happens? Next slide, please. And Elijah says, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. So get two two bulls for us and cut it up, put it on the wood, and don't put fire on it. Verse 24, call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, the only one, the I am. There is no other name for him, the I am, which means the self-sufficient one who has no beginning and the end. Everybody get your fingers like this, like this, okay? And we're going to do an infinity sign. Everyone say God. Can we say louder? God has no beginning or end. Alpha and omega. So this God who is called Yahweh, the Lord, the I am, Meaning that I'm self-sufficient. I don't need to depend on anything else. Elijah says, that's my God and I'm going to call upon him and let's see who is God. He is confident. 
He's confident. Next slide, please. So, what happens? He's confident, so he lets the other party go first. So they start, like, like the cartoon, they start dancing and chanting. They start calling upon their god, Baal and Asherah. But nothing happens. And it says, by noon, by when the sun is up high, the next slide, please, they start chanting louder. They start getting more severe and they start, you know, cutting themselves. And next slide, please. But Elijah is what we call a heckler, troll. <laughs> you know, heckling. Elijah says, Shout louder! Maybe the BPM, the drum beat, needs to go from 70 to 120. The decibel needs to go up louder. Shout louder because, you know, surely he is a god. Maybe your god's in deep in thought, meditating. Maybe your god is doing yoga. Maybe your god is traveling. What a heckler, right? Keyboard warrior. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he must be wakened. You know what? If our God needs to be wakened by louder noise, I don't want to be serving my, that kind of God. But the Bible says that God hears your prayers and God hears your cries. Our God is a God who listens. Amen? He doesn't need to be wakened. In Psalms, he says he neither sleeps nor slumbers, but he cares for you. I want a God like that. I don't want a God that's on mute. I want a God who's on standby for me all the time and that the Bible says he is there for me. He will never forsake me or leave me. So they shouted louder and it wasn't enough. They started self-harming, slashing themselves, more blood. I'm so dedicated, passionate for my God. Perhaps passion will move the God. Perhaps my enthusiasm will psych my God up, but no. Remember yesterday I said religion is about humans trying to reach God, humans trying to touch God, move God. That's religion. That's human effort. The gospel is that God knew that doesn't matter how much I try, doesn't matter how much passion I have, doesn't matter how much effort I put in, I cannot reach a holy God. And therefore, he came into the form of man. And he came and reached to us. Jesus came to us. And that is the gospel. Amen? And so these people are like, ah! Oh, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Just, I reckon they would have, I don't know what they would have done. But, you know, they're desperate. They're desperate. Now, they don't really care about their reputation, right? So the midday passed and they continued. It's a frantic prophesy until the time for the evening. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. First, so next slide, please. 
So we see these 850 prophets, not just the 850 prophets. Remember, the whole nation was behind them and the king and the queen. But nothing. Nothing. Let me tell you, it's not in the numbers. It's not in the numbers. It's not in the popularity gang. It's not in the majority. It might be that one person that calls upon the name of the Lord that will make a change. Will you be that person? Next one, please. And then Elijah says, Come here to me. And they came. And what does he do? He repairs the altar of the Lord. He repairs where there was worship. He repairs where there was fellowship with God. You know what? That's what we are called to do. Where there is no worship, you are called to repair worship. Where there is broken relationship between God and man, you are called to go and repair that altar where you work, your home, your families, your friendships. So Elijah takes the 12 stones and it's to remember that God had brought them this far. And he, and he, what does he do? 32, he builds the altar in the name of the Lord and he digs a trench around it, okay? He digs a trench around it. He arranges the wood. He cuts the sacrifice bull into pieces and puts it on the wood. What does the sacrifice mean? It means Jesus Christ. Remember every story of the Bible, it represents the saving work of Christ. And what happens? He says to his servant, his gobong, um, he says, fill the four large jars with water and pour on it. How many of you know when you go camp, fire things, what do you call it, bushfire, no, not bushfire, no bushfires. Um, when you do a campfire, what happens? You don't put water on it. Once our high school kids, we went on a youth retreat and one of the teachers accidentally threw the petroleum tin in it and literally we thought we were all going to go to heaven that day because it just went, we had an Elijah moment. Literally, and none of the kids can forget that camp. And he said, pour water on it, four jars. And then he goes, do it again. That's eight. Do it a third time. Twelve jars of water on it. So, And it says the water ran down the altar. So obviously it's not just little trickles. It was soaking wet. So what does he want to do? He wants to make sure that people don't say it's a coincidence that it caught fire. He wants to make sure that everybody knew that it was the living God that answered his prayer. And then look at this. Look at this. It was hours and hours of the prophets dancing, cutting themselves, speaking louder, prophesying falsely, yet no answer. And this simple prayer, 36, he says. Sorry, my. He says, the Lord, remember, I am Yahweh, the only one, the self-sufficient. 
Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Why? This is, he's talking about the covenant, the promise that Jesus Christ, salvation would come. So he's reminding, not really reminding, but he's just affirming, God, you have a promise with our people, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, the God that who promised salvation, the God that is gracious. Let it be known today, his first prayer is this, that you are God, that you are God in Israel. Remember, there was no worship. Altars were broken down. The name of the Lord were not called upon. And he said, you know what, God, let it be known that you are God. Where did his boldness come from? He was not courageous. If you look at the next chapter, he's actually a bit of a loser because he runs away because he gets scared that now they're going to kill him. And he runs away and he sits underneath a tree and he has a sulk moment. And he goes, oh, God, I am your servant. Right. So it's not his character. It's not because he's bold. It's not because he's different from you. No, he's just as much of a loser as you are. But he says, you are God of Israel. Let it be known today that you are God. It was his faith in God. He knew who God was. The more you meditate, the more you know, the more you get to know who he is. You know what? Your confidence in him grows. Not in your confidence in your own ability, but in a God that's self-sufficient. And then he says, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things out of your command, that I have been obedient to God. And he says, look, answer me, Lord, answer me. In another Bible variation, it says, hear me, hear me, God. And then what does he pray? Verse 37, let's read together. Go. What does he pray first? He prays. He reminds God of the covenant of salvation. Secondly, he prays that you are God. Thirdly, he prays that I am your servant. And fourthly, he says, you know what, God? Even though these people have turned their back on you, that your heart is that they return back to you. That you're turning the hearts of these people, the Lebanese people, the Chinese people, the Egyptians, the refugees, the homeless, the rich, white-collar, blue-collar. The God's heart is that he restores and rescues the lost. And he prays this, just like we sang today. What was that? Um, something like God's heart is something. Oh, look, I'm terrible. I, my brain is like the brain of a 60-year-old. This afternoon, guys, God listens to your prayer. When you pray, we don't have a God who's on mute. We don't have a God that is offline. We have a God. In the Bible, it's not me. It's not Pastor Jay that's saying it. The Bible promises that our God hears us, 
God says, seek me and I'll be found by you. He says, knock and it will be opened. This is a God that wants you to reach out to him. And Elijah knew that it wasn't just, you know, that he wasn't there to put on a show and a performance so that everybody would know that I, Elijah, am a prophet of the... No, 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 no. It wasn't about him. It was about God's covenant. It was about being obedient to the... Thank you so much. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone. He knew the heart of God, that it was God's heart to restore his people, and he prayed. And what happened? It wasn't, a, it wasn't like that. It wasn't two branches rubbing together and then, you know, oh, I see smoke, I see snow. It was, hear me, Lord, hear me, Lord, that you're turning the hearts of your people to you. Hallelujah. Yes. He's a living God. Amen. And then the next. Slide. Then fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the with soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. What a magnificent, dramatic God. What a magnificent, dramatic God. Why? For Elijah? No. To turn the hearts of his people back to him. What a magnificent God. Fire fell. Amen. But you know why? This is important, guys. This is important. Because everybody prays, not just Christians. Everybody prays. But the important thing is here, there is a sacrifice. There is a shedding of the blood and it represents Jesus Christ, guys. And the Bible says, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power when you pray in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that he is the only way to God. He is the only mediator. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, things happen. Can you repeat after me? In Jesus' name. No, 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 no. You're, you're saying it like, um, I won't say. But we're full gospel. I thought you were fire life. Everyone say. What, what did we just say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let everyone say in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. No, 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 no. You can't say it here. You've got to say it from here. Everyone say in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Say it louder in Jesus' name. Jesus say it louder in Jesus' name. Jesus yeah. Amen? Amen. Guys, in Jesus' name, when you pray, the Bible says that you shall be saved and he will hear you. And what happened? The people saw this 39 and what happened? They became prostate. Post, no, not prostate. <laughs> <laughs> Beep, NG. <laughs> 
The people saw this and they felt prostrate. They fell on their faces. They became low. Their arrogance crashed down. Their pride crushed down. And they worshipped God saying, He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. I finish with this. God listens to your prayer. And sometimes you may not be a majority. No, actually, often you are not the majority. In your company, in your friend group, especially online, you are not the majority. But you may be that one Elijah. And let me say it again. Let me stress it's not Elijah's ability. It's not Elijah's um, <laughs> power. It's not Elijah. It is Elijah's trust in who God is. It is Elijah's trust in what God is able to do. And it's Elijah's trust in God's heart. And because of this, he's obedient. And guys, God wants to do things in your life. God doesn't want you to be mediocre and then you get to heaven and then you've got no stories to tell. God wants you to get to heaven. You've got so many stories to tell and say, it was grace that led me home. It was Jesus that helped me. Jesus made me triumphant. So you better have stories to tell and it's not your ability. And if you think it's your ability, that's not Christianity. That's humanism. And that's why we get on our knees. When you have an assignment, you get on your knees and you say, God, let me not waste time on the web. Let me find the right resources. You get on your knees and say, I've got client meeting today, God. I pray send fire. No, 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 God, not literal fire. But I pray that through my business, through this contract, through this meeting, through my children, through my relationships, through my finance, the people will see that you are Lord and that you love them. God hears your prayers. And God answers your prayers. And you know what the bonus is? He invites us, invites you and me to participate in this. That is grace. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? That he invites me. Who am I? That he says, hey, I want you. I want you to be my Elijah. So let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's sing this song, guys. And I want to challenge you guys. It's easy to become part of the atmosphere and it's, be- it's easy to become part of a crowd and respond. That's, that's not really faith response. I want to challenge you that every Sunday as you come, you worship, that you lift your hands, 
that you get down on your knees. I want to challenge you to be the minority, that one person.
this afternoon, we're going to pray. Oh God, through my life, I pray that those around me will see that you are Lord, that you are the true God, the one and only God. I pray, use me, use me. Lord, it's not my ability, it's not my power, but use me that somehow that people around me will see that you are Lord. So let's pray together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. with you through my prayer. Father God, I pray the people around me will see and will bow down and worship and say, you are Lord. You are Lord God. You are Lord God. That you are Lord God. I pray for FLM. Father, that people will confess and worship and come back to you. Come back to you. Come back to you, Jesus. That they will come back to you, Jesus. so that those who don't know God will see through our worship the fire on the altar, the fire in your hearts, the fire in your life. That's the Holy Spirit fire. And we're going to pray for this church and Pastor Jay and, 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 and his wife and the leaders and every person set a fire in our hearts, oh God. Set a fire. It's not human passion. It's God's supernatural Holy Spirit fire. Set a fire for this city, for the lost. And set a fire for you, oh God. Let's pray together. Let's go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray set a fire in this church. Set a fire on this altar, oh God. That, oh Lord, on this altar, that worship will be Relationships with you will be revealed. Prayer will be revealed. Oh God, that through full life ministry and Pastor Jay, I pray through the leaders and Lord God, for every person involved in this church, that Father God, that you will reveal that you are Lord, that you are Lord, that you are Lord, that you are Lord God, that you are Lord God, and that you love these people. And Lord God, I pray that you will reveal yourself and the work of God through this church and through this congregation. I pray let there be healing, let there be restoration, let there be reconciliation. God, I pray, I pray. God, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We want to just pray final prayer. And I, I just really believe... Um, here in this place there are some that have been coming to church that have been doing the likes of Christianity but yet still cannot call 
the Lord your God. There may be someone here that have fallen away and have been doubting and questioning whether God still loves them. Well, today, through this passage, you know that God loves you. You know that God's heart is for you. And I don't want to open the altar call and I don't want to get anyone to raise their hands. But if that is you, it all it takes is your response to God this afternoon. It's just doesn't need to be any special action. It's just you opening your heart and saying, God, give me faith. So if, if we can all as a church repeat after me and pray with me in faith. Dear Jesus, I believe that you came for me, died on the cross for my sins, and rose again. I believe in your resurrection. And I just want to open my heart and accept you and let you in. Give me faith. Give me faith. Give me faith. Help me to trust in you. And also see that you are God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Dear Lord, we pray right now. You search each and every heart and you know what's in the hearts of every person. You know the prayers that they've been praying. You know the struggles. You know the hardships. We pray that sometimes there is loneliness. Sometimes it feels like it's dry, but we pray you hear their prayers. You know where they are. Jesus, when they call upon your name, I pray, answer their prayers so that they, they know that you are Lord and that you are with them. Keep confirming your love for your people. And I pray for full life ministry that it will display the fullness of Jesus Christ in everyone's joy and passion and love for you, Jesus. Let it overflow. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.